please welcome this evening's moderator, film critic at WOR Radio, Joe Newmeyer. Good evening, everyone. Lion is a heartwarming, extraordinary film about a young boy who becomes separated from his brother and winds up traveling thousands of miles in India, eventually being adopted by an Australian couple. Uh, at age 25, he decides to go in search of his birth mother and his family. Let's take a look at the trailer. Let's uh, start with where you're from. Calcutta. Which part? I'm adopted, I'm not really Indian. I'm starting to remember. Saru, you're a beautiful boy. You're very proud of yourself. A life I'd forgotten. Are you okay? I had another family. A mother. A brother. I can still see their faces. What happened? I have to find my way back home. How long were you on the train? A couple of days. A couple of days. Take a lifetime to search all the stations in India. Do you have any idea what it's like? How every day my real brother screams my name. I always thought that I could keep this family together. I need you, Saru. What if you do find home and they're not even there? And you just keep searching. I don't have a choice. What was she like? Beautiful. Every night I imagine that I'm walking those streets home and I know every single step of the way. And I whisper in her ear. I'm here. Lion opens November 25th. It stars Dev Patel, Rooney Mara, and Nicole Kidman, and is directed by Garth Davis. And now please welcome Dev Patel. Very good, thank you. Thanks for coming, guys. Welcoming, congratulations on the film. It is, it's really extraordinary, and it's really, it, it touches on so many levels. We'll, we'll touch on all of those right now. But it's based on uh, a biography uh, an autobiography by Sru Brierley called A Long Way Home, published in 2015, but even as it was in the screenplay adaptation process, you knew you wanted to be a part of this, right? Let's hear that story. Yes, I'm very persistent. <laughs> I, um, I turned up in Koreatown in Los Angeles uh, at the doorstep of uh, Luke Davies, who's a writer, and, and Garth, 
And, uh, you know, I went in there super keen and I was like, look, I really want to be a part of this. And there was this whiteboard with all the story points on it. And they're like, look, you can't look at that. It's classified information. Um, so it's a very awkward meeting. And they're like, look, you're a really sweet guy, but you're going to have to jump through the hoops. And uh, yeah, you know, thank God it happened. And uh, I'm here now. Now, what was jumping through the hoops like? Was it sort of letting them know that you could sort? Because there's a lot to Saru. There's one of the things I, I find fascinating about him is that he's a character who really kind of doesn't, he doesn't kind of know himself. He knows who he wants to be. He has an, sort of an aching sense of who he was prior to being adopted and has a sense of who this new self is. But there's, there's something inside of him that feels unfulfilled and he's trying to figure out what that is. So when you're talking with them about who Saru sort of was, what were sort of, sort of the jumping hoops part that you kind of had to Yeah, well, more, more so, you know, it's, it's interesting when you build up a resume and then that kind of works against you because they're like, oh, he's obvious. You know, he's that kid from Slumdog Millionaire. Everyone's seen him, you know. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've worked really hard to create this resume, but now it's, you know. Um, but in a way, you, you just have to go in and really want it. And uh, I Skyped with the director from my bathroom in LA because that's the best reception in the house. <laughs> and then he, I put myself on tape and then I was in London shooting a film with Jeremy Irons called The Man Who Knew Infinity. And they called me and said, look, uh, he wants to meet you like in a couple of days. And I was like, ah, what do I do, what do I do? So I, I got out of this headspace of this Indian mathematician, you know, and um, went in to do, do this audition. It was six hours long. And it was kind of, Garth is an incredible filmmaker because he's very spiritually inclined. So it was all about exploring the space, you know, the, the, the space that these characters live in, the tactility. Um, and then after five and a half hours, he's like, I want you to do one more thing if, you're, if, if you want to, which is scream. I want you to roar. And I said, well, what do you mean, roar? And he's like, I, I want you to completely expel any kind of emotion or history or pain that you have inside of you. And you know, you're sitting there like, I've just met you and now you want me to completely lose it. And he's like, I'm gonna put some music on. And there's this, um, there's this composer called uh, Gustavo Santanolala. He's from the, you know, he does Inaritu's films. And on the way to the audition, I was listening to this song. Uh, it's a beautiful string song called Deportation um, from Babel. And uh, he said, let me put this song on. And he put this song on. It was the exact same song I was listening to in the car. And it's like this serendipity. And then, uh, yeah, I went, I went, I proceeded to go and cry like a maniac and scream. And uh, it was beautiful. And uh, yeah, and, and I got the role. That spiritual aspect, I feel like that is there so much in the film, even in subtle ways. Uh, Garth Davis also directed Top of the Lake, co-directed with Jane Campion, which is a terrific miniseries. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. Um, but there's often scenes or moments where Saru sort of feels sort of adrift in the landscape. Like there's sort of, it's sort of, you're framed within a lot of space. And even at the, the, the moment that, uh, that you're sort of, with some some friends who are from India, and you're you're smelling and tasting some of the Indian food that they're cooking. You're by yourself at that moment. There's a lot of sort of of a sense of isolation to Saru. In exactly, yeah. that was the process. So as soon as I got the call that I got this job, I called up my manager and I said, for the next eight months, I don't want you to send me anything. I don't want any in, any distractions. I don't want to have to audition for anything else. I want to commit every fiber of my being to this role. Because looking like I do, you know, scripts like this don't come around every so often. You know, characters that are so deep, uh, uh, you know, th there's a real gravitas to the role and he's not some goofy sidekick or 
you know, whatever, you know, a best friend role or something. There's, you know, there's a real, some real meat to the bone. And, uh, you know, the first thing he said was, I want you to adopt a physical space, which is more masculine than you've ever been. And then I want you to find a soulful uh, kind of uh, vulnerability that you've never been in either. So I'm looking at two ends, ends of the spectrum here. And, um, you know, it was training every day, eating like a madman until my liver was foie gras. And then I, I went to India three weeks before we started filming. And there was a lot of it was dialect coaching too. The the Aussie accent, you know, you start off sounding like Crocodile Dundee, uh, <laughs> so it takes a while. But um, I went to India and I travelled the trains alone, and uh, I saw the landscape change. And it was to try and build a real memory map that I could key into as a performer, so I wasn't imitating something or drawing on nothing. You know, to create a real history between the characters is very important. So. You know, I traveled the trains, visited orphanages, wrote diaries. I had this exercise where he made me stare in front of a mirror for, for an hour. It was like half an hour, an hour, I forgot now. But the first two minutes are so excruciating. You know, you're used to like combing your hair or popping your pimple or doing something in front of the mirror. And then, you know, you get to like 20 minutes and all of a sudden you're in this sort of trance. And I couldn't recognize myself. Like everything, I was so familiar with every feature on my face and after that, a certain amount of time, I looked like a stranger. I looked like my father, then my mother, and then someone I didn't even, and I went to set completely shaken. I was like, dude, I, I think I'm a complete fraud. I don't know who I am. I'm a fake, Vodgoth, what have you done to me? And he's like, look, that's the reason I, I made you do this exercise because the soul is ever changing, you know? You're, you know, that, that's the whole idea is to look inside. So it's about being still and being comfortable in that still space, that stillness. And a great director can allow you to really expose yourself. Um, and uh, that's what the, the role required in a way. So, um, yeah, it was an introverted journey and, and, and he's isolated. He's a, as a, as a British Indian guy, you know, I could relate to someone that suppressed part of his heritage growing up to fit in, because that's what I did. You know, to try and be like the other kids, not get bullied. You know, it's like shove the Indian part aside, because that's you know they're gonna call me Harold and Kumar or this or that or you know whatever, and try and be like everyone else. Um, and then I went to India for the first time to shoot Slumdog, and uh, it was like that light bulb moment. And uh, all that prejudice, and not prejudice, because I wasn't prejudiced against myself, that's stupid. But that kind of stereotype, or the preconceived notions I had built up in my mind were completely dispelled. You know, I was auditioning with these these girls, you know, and I'd f I fell in love with my co-star. Like, they, they listened to more modern music than I did, you know, rock and roll and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I really under understood a lot about me and my heritage, and I felt whole, and, uh, and it's about identity. And that's what Saru did. He suppressed part of his history, you know, until there's this moment where he's at a house party with friends and he opens the fridge to get a beer and inside is these sweets called these jellabies, which are sugary Indian street snacks. And it, it sets off this kind of... Um, yeah, 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 exactly. Sets off this memory in his head um, of when he was a child in the streets and he'd always wanted to ha taste one of those and his brother promised him one day we'll have enough money to buy a whole vat. And he's, he's in Australia, you know, with his cool clothes and his jeans, looking at this thing and he finally tastes it. And that is when Pandora's box is opened. So yeah.
Yeah, it's an extraordinary moment. You mentioned going uh, to India and also this, the notion of sense memory, which is a good segue to uh, one of the first few days of shooting, you shot with the actress who plays your mother in the film, and you guys have this amazing reunion in the film, not giving anything away, but there's an amazing reunion, and that was sort of one of the first scenes that you guys shot. I'm wondering how that affected subsequent shooting once you got to Australia and shot the, the scenes in the film prior to that. Was there sort of a, almost a sense memory of having to build up to that moment that you had already shot what, as you guys went and shot? Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. So yeah. I went out three weeks early, did all that, and then the first scene I had to shoot of the entire film was the end scene, the most emotionally pregnant moment of the movie. It's bloody terrifying for an actor. Because, um, you know, if that doesn't work, that reunification of mother and son, then the film, you know, the climax is not there. Um, and me and Priyanka were in the middle of nowhere in India and indoor, there's nothing to do. So every night we'd hang out, have dinner, talk about life, whatever. Um, and then Garth was like, okay, I don't want you to see each other for the next week. And I was like, why? He's like, I want you to starve yourself of each other's energy. And uh, you know, the next time I saw her is how you see it in the film. The character walks around a, a, you know, a couple pathways and then in the distance he sees these three women and she's in the center. And she had this incredible makeup. She's been aged. And I was, you would kind of come together like these two, you know, particles colliding. And we had this whole village. None of them were planted extras. So uh, they were just reacting off our energy. No one knew what I was saying because I was speaking in an Australian, you know, English accent. So, you know, they just looked at the love and the truth of the scene. And all of a sudden, they're reaching forward and all these hands are touching my face. And it felt like I was in Avatar or something. <laughs> but um, it was a, a really um, profound moment where... Uh, you find an honesty as a performer, which is, you know, so nourishing. You know, it's very hard to produce that. But uh, again, it's to a great filmmaker. And knowing that that, that was the scene that, that you were going to build towards, and then when you got to Australia to shoot those Australian scenes, like it must have been interesting knowing that what was coming on screen was going to be the shot that you had already filmed that had so much emotion to it and so much build to it that, that playing Saru sort of starved of that yeah. must have had an interesting... Well, the landscape is really important. You know, this is a kid who got ripped away from his family at the age of like f five or seven. But he has such an incredible photographic memory that, you know, many, many years later as an adult, he literally found his mother from space. You know, he found a needle in a haystack from space. Google had just come out and it was, you know, a day, it wasn't as advanced as it is now. It was blurry pixels. You know, the refresh rates were terrible, but the amount of information and history you could gather from those pixels is just incredible. And, um, you know, we did exercises with Priyanka and the little boy who plays me when I'm younger. Uh, but we played in the grass, uh, in the leaves, in the forest. And Garth would record, this is Garth, our director, would record the sound of the leaves. And when I'm sitting in Australia, uh, in freezing cold Hobart, looking at this blank screen, trying to muster so much emotion, because Saru told me, the real guy, he's like, with every click of the mouse, I felt like I was getting one step closer to my mother. Um, I'm sitting there trying to muster these emotions, and Garth would play the sound of those leaves. I could hear India. I could hear the, the laughing voices of Priyanka and little Sonny, and it created a real memory for me. So I wasn't keying into something artificial to bring it back to the last question, but 
that's you know that's what we were doing. Creates a bridge. What was the most surprising thing that meeting the real Saru uh, taught you? Because obviously there's so much in the book, and I'm sure that in speaking with him, you wanted to kind of you wanted to make sure you got got this portrayal right. But what was the most surprising thing for you, Deb, about him? Well, I felt like I'd known him because I'd been living with him for eight months already. So you go and meet this guy, and he's like, "All right, chill out, chill out, man, easy," you know. <laughs> but I was super excited um, and very nervous because we've got the biggest scene in the movie in the can already. So if he doesn't like me, I'm, you know. I'm it's going to be crap. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> but um, he, he is the uh, epitome of a fiercely driven human being. You know, he's a survivor. This is a kid that was left on a train track in India, and he was surrounded by so many human beings. It's such a claustrophobic space. There are so many predators out there to get you. Um, and he just dodged so much adversity and was able to adapt, and he had an amazing ins instincts to get through those ordeals you'll see in the film. And, uh, you know, we spoke about the microcosmic, you know, uh, things. And, uh, you know, it's funny when you meet someone because they want to display something to you. But as an actor, you sit there and you actually just want to see, you want to look for the, the dark side of the moon, what they're not showing you. So you just try and spend as much time as you can with this person. You pick up some of these little traits and how he is, you know, the, the nervous twitches, the, you know, the the overconfidence, this, that. But Saru is a very generous man, so is his mother and his father. And uh, we sat in his car and went to this barbecue. And I, I met him recently and he remembered the song we were listening to, uh, the clothes I was wearing, the eggs I'd ordered. And I was like, man, you're, you know, because when you go through such horrendous ordeals, you can suffer from a PTSD, which is what a lot of people do, you know, when they've come back from war or if the child's been abused. But he, I guess maybe it's a, uh, a testament to the love that his mother gave him, his biological mother, that he managed to hold those memories so so purely in his heart and in his brain. That's how he could find her. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the actress who plays uh, his adoptive mother, Sue Brierley, is Nicole Kidman, and also Rooney Mara, who plays his girlfriend, Lucy. Um, in, in those scenes with both of them, they're both two two amazing actresses, but but your scenes with them strike me as as they're so they're so painful in some ways because they represent love and home and sort of the new beginning that Saru has the the life that he has and in order to sort of go back it's not that he's leaving them but he does in some ways have to turn his back on one on his on his current life to kind of check out what it is about his past that he's missing and they represent the love and support that he has in his current life what were the scenes like with them in in, in discussions with the two of them about your scenes uh, they were pretty amazing, actually. You know, Nicole Kidman. I mean, I'm a dude from Rainer's Lane in London, which is the last stop on the tube station, like right at the end. And then all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're in Australia and you're about to walk into a room and do some rehearsals with Nicole Kidman. You're like, what? Um, and, she, you know, she's got that energy. She walks in a room and she kind of glides. You know, she, she's like over six foot. Um, but then we started doing all these crazy exercises and you look over and she's got her sleeves rolled up and she's just like another student submitting herself to our director. And I really respected that, you know? And, you know, she's acting from a real place of truth. She's a mother herself with adopted children. So, you know, it, it was amazing to have a front row seat to a performance like that, you know? She's very much a character actress too in yeah. so many ways. Completely. She really dives into and, these characters. Yeah, and Rooney is like, uh, she reminds me of like a modern day Audrey Hepburn, you know, she's so beautiful. And um, she is like a quietly fierce, and I'm like a big goofy Labrador, you know? So like we're like completely different energies. 
And Garth, the first thing he had us do was this thing called the monkey exercise. I don't know if there's any actors here or anything, but uh, he he um he gets you to uh, d do a scenario, but without any dialogue. He takes the dialogue away from the scene. So he's like, look, she's really upset with you because you've forgotten your anniversary today. So you've got to come in the room and try and make her come around to you, be your friend. You know, I walk in and he's like, cut, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, come in like a monkey. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay. And then I, I, I kind of jump in and I'm like, ah! and there's Rudy Mara, the first time I've met her. And she's like, rawr, rawr, like doing a little thing. And, you know, I'm hopping around her, picking lice out of her hair and all this kind of stuff. But what happens is, first of all, you feel like an absolute idiot, you know. Uh, but then... But you're both feeling like an idiot. So the ego or whatever it is, is gone. And then the second thing is it builds a tactility because you can't talk. So uh, you have to touch that person's face. You have to feel her hair. You have to do certain things. And that creates a kind of uh, chemistry that you can only get if you're in a really long relationship. So I suggest if there's any actors there, it's an amazing technique. We also did this thing where he put us on these canvases and we drew around each other in chalk and then we had to paint what we saw. And it was interesting because I drew her as this big blue being with a tree growing out of her tummy or something. And she drew this miserable like guy with a bleeding heart. And I was like, what? But what we, what we subliminally did was project our characters on each other. Because Saru is not present. You know, he's a young guy, he's charming, he's all that kind of stuff, but actually he starts to get lost in a nostalgia. You know, wherever he looks, he can see his brother. You know, he's in a food court and he sees his brother in his, you know, raggedy clothes and, you know, coal on his face, picking through the food. And it, these, these hauntings start to come over and over again and he starts to withdraw from his, his real life and from all those relationships for this search. And she's this force, this light that's trying to be like, be here now, be here now, be with me, come back. Um, so, yeah, did that make sense? I don't know, but, you know, yeah. you know, she's the light in the darkness. Yeah. How has acting changed for you over the last few years? Because we obviously all came upon you with uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Though you were on uh, British TV Skins before that, and you've been acting since you were young. Aside from maybe acting like a monkey, how uh, how has acting changed for you uh, over the last ten years or so? <laughs> um, it's been interesting, you know. Like I, 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 the first film I did won eight Oscars, and I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> um, which is a God's honest truth, you know. I, I was seventeen years old, you know, never really been to a an acting school or anything. I did this TV show that my mum saw an audition in a newspaper for, you know, but uh, it was interesting because it's a blessing, but at the same time you're walking these big red carpets and you feel like a, a bit of a fraud when you're seeing all these amazing actors. So that was the drive, was to earn my place. Uh, but the tricky thing is you get spat out of that and then all of a sudden there's nothing. There's, uh, there's not those parts that you'd expect to come because no one's writing. You know, there's no diverse scripts out there. Um, so, you know, I thought, okay, either I can pack this in now or I can uh, try and choose wisely, you know. Some of them won't be perfect. A lot of them won't be perfect. But what you do is you take on the mold to break the mold. And that's been my my philosophy. You know, you need to pay, keep the lights on. You've got to do certain things. So the only way you're going to shift the barometer is to sometimes go in there and then 
those those storytellers, those guys that generate the ideas, you make them think differently. So that's what's happened. And then you look at a film like this, and that is the perfect evolution. You know, Nicole Kidman's a mother, Rooney Mara's a love interest. It, it, it's an anthem of love and, 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 and unity and diversity and all sorts of things, you know, with actors from India, London, Australia. You know, it's, it's you know, awesome. Before we take a couple of questions from the audience, I want to ask you just because this film, like The Man uh, Who Knew Infinity, the one you just mentioned, which is also a terrific film, um, both based on, on true stories, uh, you are, do you find yourself either when you're reading a biography or you hear, read something in the newspaper, kind of the, now that you're, you're an established actor looking at, at projects and thinking, and even if it's not for yourself, but thinking about this might be a, an amazing film, this could be a great script. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you look at that's why I read, uh, you know, my, I read this in a paper, this story, and that's why I ended up knocking on the door. You know, Infinity took 10 years to get off the ground and uh, they couldn't put it together. You know, it's a mo movie about mathematics. There's an Indian dude and an old grumpy professor and no real like crazy romance or anything. It's a tough sell. But, uh, you know, I, I'm at a stage now where I can help breathe life into this or at least push it forward a little. And, and so that was a big win for us to be able to get like a film like Infinity made. Yeah. yeah. This one as well. Let's take any questions from the audience. If anyone has one, just shoot a hand straight up, and we'll uh, we'll come to you. Uh, good evening. Hey, man. Um, first of all, it's a great pleasure to be here because I didn't expect that I will be here today. I just <laughs> came to fix my iPhone, actually, yeah. <laughs> and see oh, announcement. <laughs> and um, I'm also film critic yeah. from Kazakhstan, yeah. and it's a double pleasure to. Oh be man, here. I've been and to Kazakhstan. Yeah. <laughs> and the f uh, the first, my question is about. Um, Awards uh, to the Lion. As I know, there was several screenings at film festivals, and as I know, you uh, this film got uh, three or four prizes at film festivals, and all of them, people choice or audience choice. In your opinion, why this this movie is so attractive for audience? Thank you. Ah, man, I just think it's the right message to be putting out into the world right now. You know, uh, I think people. I look at movies and when I want to sit in this dark room, I want to be projected into an escapist world uh, and see stories of human triumph. You know, that's what I want to see, you know. Uh, and that's what this is at its core. You know, it's about love, it's about triumph, and it's about perseverance. Um, and it's completely true. So when you watch it, there's that other layer that, oh my God, this guy actually did this, you know. So, yeah. In the sense that, that once you have love in that way, it never goes away. It's always sort of imprinted on you. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. And it, like lots of people that have seen it in the Q&As are like, I want to call my mom or my dad afterwards or my sister and tell them I love him. And that's the reason we put art out into the world, you know. So, yeah, it makes it worthwhile. Next question. Is it harder to bring to life fictional characters or characters based on real people? Um... They both pose their difficulties. Like real people is hard because, uh, you know, you, it depends. You know, I we didn't really go for a mimicry in this movie. Like I don't look like the guy, but to capture his essence is really important. You know, so that's what directors look for. You know, you can go in and do a lot of makeup and make it work sometimes, but for me, I, I think to find the truth in it is really, really important. And uh, Sometimes when you're not basing it on a real person, it's even harder because the, the possibilities are endless. There's too much to filter through and that can get you lost in this ratatouille of too many ingredients. 
So sometimes when you know, okay, this is what this guy's traits are, this, 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 and this, you can build off that, you know, that structure. But when there's something on a page, there's so many things you can add in, you know, so many ingredients. So I, I don't know really. I, I approach them very similarly though. And, uh, you know, you start with a script and then you can fill it out with other stuff. Maybe there's a, maybe you're playing a chef and he says his favorite cuisine is this and you're like, okay, let me go on the internet and look at that area in the world, see what it's like, can build a bit of history there. And with Saru, it's like, okay, this is what he's like on page. Now I can go and research him, but there's just more tools. There's more stuff out there. But uh, yeah, I, I don't really know actually. They're both, they both have their own challenges. I've heard some actors say that if the person that they're playing is still alive, they sometimes don't even want to meet them until after filming is yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they can, they want to sort of have the room to to inform their performance. Yeah, we don't want to be. A, I don't want to be a photocopy machine. Yeah. You know, like that's not what I want to do. Yeah. You know, otherwise it's like completely soul destroying for me to go in. You feel like you're a previs, you know. And uh, I've done big a big studio film that really stunk, and I felt like that. You know, I didn't have no space to breathe. Uh, so that's why you go for smaller projects where you can really try and bring some truth to it. But that's really what it's about. Yeah. 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 So next question. Better hey, here. how you doing? First of all, I just want to say, as a brown actor, you're an inspiration. Oh, thank so you. Thanks so much. <laughs> uh, but my question is, was there, or did you have any life experiences that helped you out for this movie uh, specifically? This role? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, if I didn't have any life experiences, the whole eight months was creating those experiences, you know, going on the trains, doing all that work, create real history for the role. But like I said, I grew up suppressing a part of myself and so did the character. And it's now he goes back to this country, even though he looks like everyone, he's just alien to that world. So I, I could relate to that, you know, I could relate to that. Yeah. Um. Hi, I just hey. like to know because I've been to India. Yeah. Okay, but I'm not gonna go there. But you filmed Slumdog Millionaire, so that was in India, and yeah. in this one. So with these two films, there are two different types of film. What are your, what was your rapport with India each time? Did you have like different experiences with the people and their the dialects going through the different regions? Yeah, yeah. I've shot five films there now, but um, oh, excuse I, me. I, that's all right. Um. Yeah, always. <laughs> I, I, I love it, you know. Like, I, I go there and it, it, um, it's just bursting with humanity. There's so many people and as a canvas to shoot on, you can put a camera anywhere and magic unfolds, like, in front of you. Um, and it's one of those places that you cannot go in too prepared because it will swallow you up. So you have to, as an actor, learn to be a bit more... Uh, bendy you gotta adapt basically because you go in and the heat's you know the heat's thing and all of a sudden there's a troop of monkeys that have come from the roof and they're sitting there a stray dog walks, walks past you know everyone's looking down the camera lens so you gotta adapt and all of a sudden you're moving there and you're setting it up completely differently you know and you're fighting against the elements of the city so there's always three characters in a scene when you're working in Bombay there's you your co-star and the city you know so uh makes you kind of you know be a looser actor you look at these bollywood guys that do it and you can laugh at it and i used to but they they do like 20 films a year and they come like in slumdog some of the actors will come to set with other makeup on from other movies and then when the, when the director calls cut they're like <laughs> and the action they're like doing an amazing take and they go to bed you know it's like completely amazing but they're just so loose in the space 
and the chaos that affects you as an actor. You're like, oh, people are making too much noise. That guy, she's you know doing this with the makeup, moving my shirt. It's getting on my nerves. You can't get in your head about it in India. You've just got to be chill. For the record, uh, in addition to Slumdog and The Man Who Knew Infinity and this film, the other films that you shot there are uh, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, right? And the sequel, Second Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Uh, and next question. Hey, uh, so have you ever thought of uh, writing or directing your own uh, movie or stories? Yeah, I'm working on something now. I have one thing in, in development at the British Film Institute uh, and another film, which is kind of like a... It's like a, a modern-day superhero story set in Bombay, but on old Indian mythology. You know, I think they need a story like that there. You know, so that's what I'm working on. Hi. Hello. Um, I was wondering what your favorite experience was that you've picked up from uh, working with any actor. <laughs> oh, man, there's so many. Whew. Okay, Jeremy Irons was incredible because he's a, an absolute technician of the art form. Like, you sit in a, a scene with him, and you know, you're worried about your dialogue, you're worried about your accent, you're worried about your makeup, you're worried about everything. He'll come in and he's like, uh, look, what, what season are we in? Okay, it's that, okay. Let's frost up the windows. Let's get the fire on there. Get costume in here to throw some jackets over there. He's so aware of filmmaking as an art form. You know, we're, we're, we're dealing in moving pictures. And it, that, that really, you know, was incredible to see. Um, he, 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 he taught me about business as well. Sometimes you go in and there's nothing to do and you're sitting there and it's two men talking at each other's faces and it doesn't add for an interesting scene. So there's a scene at the end of the movie where I'm saying goodbye to him and I'm going to board a, a boat back to India. And you know, the director, he's a great director, but that day he was just like, you know, all right, so let's, you stand there on your mark, he stands there, you do your lines, hug each other and bounce. And Jeremy's like, no, remember you're late. You know, you've got to move your luggage, do this, do that. And he's like, you don't need to deliver them so cleanly, like throw it away. You know, you can be grabbing a bag, doing this. It's about being less precious. The, the really good ones, the Maggie, Dame Maggie Smith, who I worked with again in Marigold, they, 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 um, they have a lucidity. They're not so precious about everything. That makes them so good. This kind of riffs off that question, but I always like to ask, uh, is there a bit of advice either about acting or about life that you've received that you really love, that you really hold precious? Uh, I, I like the idea of acting, that kind of keeping it loose, that lucidity kind of... Yeah, I mean, the best, like in Marigold, what I learned from all those great old, old, like, old um, actors is to remain curious, you know? They're all so curious, always asking questions, and that's, you know, the best advice I've ever been given. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Lion opens on November 25th. Dev Patel, thanks, thanks very guys. much. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. <laughs>